there a better time or place to worship God? Let me ask again. Is there a better time or place to worship God? The time is right. The time is just right. Amen? Amen. So, we are going to praise God this evening. And we start off every time by prayer. We saturate the atmosphere with prayer. When the praise goes up, the blessing come down. Amen? So I'm just going to ask you to stand with me. And we're just going to pray and ask God's blessing on this service tonight. Is there anyone inside this house who don't need to pray? Anyone? Okay, so everyone will pray tonight. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we honor you tonight. We lift you up, Lord Jesus. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the great I am. The one that is, that was, and is to come. We worship you, Lord, for who you are. You are our redeemer, our strength, our peace, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are our strong tower. Lord Jesus, no one can pluck us out of your hand, Lord. You are the great God, the almighty God, the one who changes not. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we worship you this evening, Lord. We call upon you, Lord Jesus. We invite your presence in our midst, Lord Jesus. Touch every soul inside here this evening, O oh God. Touch every household that is represented inside here this evening, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, the devil... The devil, he would sift us as wheat, O oh God. But Lord Jesus, we are praying, O oh God, and we call upon your name, Lord. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd put a hedge of protection over us and keep us, O oh God. Lord Jesus, the devil is after our soul, O oh God. He is like a roaring lion seeking whom he will devour, Lord. But Lord Jesus, we will stay in your presence, Lord. We will continue to call upon your name and worship you in spirit and in truth, O oh God. Lord Jesus, we pray this evening, Lord, that the word of God will reach someone's heart tonight, O oh God. Lord, we are interested in souls, O oh God, winning souls to the Lord. I pray tonight, O oh God, someone will hear the word of God and their lives will be changed forever, Lord. I pray, O oh God, that... You will just open the windows of heaven, O oh God. Just, Lord Jesus, just send souls from the community, O oh God. We came here, O oh God, not to look pretty, Lord Jesus. But we came here to win souls, to fill this house. In the name of Jesus Christ, strengthen us, O oh God. I pray that we will never lose our focus, O oh God. But we will continue to be evangelist-minded, O oh God. Lord Jesus, we will continue to reach into the highway and byway. And Lord Jesus, teach the word of God. And disciple those that we teach until they are strong enough to do the same. Strengthen us, O oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. As we call upon you, Lord Jesus. Have your way tonight, Lord. Cover us tonight, Lord Jesus. It's not our will, but thy will be done, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, touch the man of God that will come up tonight and preach your word, Lord Jesus. 
touch him from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, O oh God. Anoint his lips, O oh God, so that your word will come forth just as how you want it to reach us, O oh God. And let us be hearers and doers of your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus, everyone. Hallelujah. Come on. You know it's a Wednesday. <laughs> but we don't have to act like it's a Wednesday, right? Hallelujah. Every day is a day of Thanksgiving. So we're here to worship, magnify, and honor the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands tonight. Jesus tonight. Let's magnify the name of Jesus tonight. He is the almighty God. 
He is the everlasting Father. He is the King of glory. He is the one who fights our battles. He is the one that pushes back all the darkness. He is the one that lights up the kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to your name. We worship you tonight, God. And we thank you in advance, Lord. wonderful to know who is on our side. No matter what you're going through, you've got Christ on your side. Can't, can't get any better than that. No army, no, no, no money, no weapon is greater for you than Christ being on your side. What an awesome God we serve. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Great Wednesday night. Good to see all of you. Amen. You know, we have to pray and tell God, if we don't feel hungry enough to come in the house of God and to worship God, you got to go to God and say, God, what's wrong with me? Don't be comfortable when you just feel kind of casual. You know, like, eh, you know, I go, if I go, if I'm not able to go, I just say, God, that's not what you want from me. And so I need you to work in my heart that, 
I will have a passion for the things of the kingdom of God. And so those of you that are here tonight, I know you have a burning desire within your heart to really see the Lord do great things and be a part of what God is doing. And so I thank God for you that are here. Those of you that have joined us um, via live stream, our congregation online, we thank God for you and for what God is doing in your life. It's just so wonderful to be a part of the family of God. Amen. Um, before I get into my text tonight, I just want to um, greet um, Pastor Selmita Cole in Jesus' name. We have, we have the preacher lady in the house tonight. We love, the, we love Sister Cole, don't we? Oh, my goodness. She is such a gem. God has certainly blessed her, and we are fortunate to be able to know her. And uh, able to spend time with her. And we're glad to have her in the house of the Lord with us for the next few days, you know, whatever the time may be. We're glad to have you. Thank you for being with us tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. She said she wouldn't miss dedication for the world. <laughs> she was always with us lock and step from the very beginning. Before I was, before I was elected superintendent years ago. Sister Cole started calling me Bishop. I said, what are you doing? I'm just a regular guy trying to serve the Lord. And she would like smirk, Bishop. And sure enough, they elected me superintendent of the North Central Jersey District not long after that. I said, here you go. So you stick around the right people and they'll just, God will use them to speak his word into your life and you'll see some great things happen. And so... She has been in lock and step with us. She knew we would walk into this building someday. She knew the challenges that we had, but like I felt, and God has placed in her spirit, she knew we would be here, and here she is today to experience what she knew God was getting ready to do. We're glad you're here with us. And then her grandson, Cody, is here with us. Cody is a Canadian. Cody, nice to have you tonight, Cody. Amen. Cody, nice to have you tonight. God bless you, Cody. We're so glad you're here. New environment. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And we're glad to have Cody's mom, Sister Foster, with us tonight. Amen. <laughs> Sister Foster, well, she's Jamaican. You know, I label everybody. She's Jamaican. She want to be Canadian, but she's Jamaican. So Cody is Canadian. Sister Foster is Jamaican. Sister Cole and Shaheem is American. They're, they are American. We claim them as American. Okay? They're American. Uh, Sister Foster is Jamaican. Cody and Cody's uncle and Cody's aunt, they're Canadian. We need some people to hold it down in Jamaica, right? Just We got to spread out. We need some people to hold it down in JA. We need some people to hold it down in Canada. And sure enough, we had some people holding it down here in the U.S. <laughs> but we're so glad to have them. They're family. And so it's just good to have them in the house of the Lord. Amen. We spend time with them whenever we can. And uh, no better place to spend time than in the house of the Lord. Amen. I want to uh, just make a quick note that, as you know, this Saturday is our dedication service. And we want you to be ready to come and to get yourself ready. We said we're wearing our church colors. If, in case you don't know, look at the banner right there before you go out. Look at our logo. 
It's, it's yellow, blue, and white. So if you want to wear all three colors or you want to wear one of the colors or two of the colors, that's great. But whatever you have, if you just want to wear whatever you want and get a white scarf or a blue, yellow scarf or a blue scarf, whatever it is that you can, to just make sure you just fold right in with the color scheme, we would really appreciate that. So we will be here this Saturday. Service starts at 3 o'clock. However, if... Um, you are a key personnel, a key individual in the church that you do any kind of serving. We'd like for you to get here by 2 p.m. for pre-prayer. And we want to pray a little bit and then uh, doors will be open to everyone at 2.30. And so we want you to come. After service, we'll have what we like to call little hors d'oeuvres for you over in the fellowship hall. So we will have some hors d'oeuvres after the service. And so we want you to stay and join us. It's going to be a real great day. It's going to be a wonderful day. So make plans. Call up your friends and your families and, you know, people that we haven't seen in a while. Call them up and tell them they don't want to miss this day. We're dedicating this building that God has given to us. And so we want for everyone to be here, especially those that was a part of the great miracle in your sacrifice and your prayers and your giving. Uh, We want you to be a part of this as you celebrate with us. It's still a miracle. We're still trying to um, just be comfortable with it. We walk around the grounds and we're saying, man, God, you really did this, huh? And so every day um, that we come to this property, it's still amazing that God really did this. Um, But he did it. And um, we give all praise to him because it was all about him. Um, He afforded us whatever we gave financially. It was his goodness. It was how he was able to provide for us that we can give. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. There is nothing that exists that doesn't belong to him. So whatever we have, he allow us to have it. And he is asking us, commanding us to be good stewards of what he has given us. So as soon as you start thinking that this is mine and my life is my life and my money is my money and this and that. You got to hold your horses and check with the Lord and see what he has to say about that. So we want you to come Saturday and celebrate with us. We have a great preacher, good friend of mine, Jimmy Tony. He will be here and he will minister the word of the Lord. He will also be here with us Sunday morning. And so as um, some of our uh, promotions people says, this is our dedication week. Um, it started out dedication service till dedication weekend. But the last post, I believe I saw, it says dedication week. And so they started with a day, then they went to two days, and now it's a week. So (laughs) I love the promotions people. They do a great job. They never stop. It's always something that they're posting to say what we're doing here at Christ Center Church. And that is wonderful. Great job, promotions department. Amen. Also, this Saturday, which is very interesting, um, Pastor Evanson is dedicating his building as well. Um, That will be 11 a.m. this Saturday, and I'm going to scoot over there and then scoot out of there to come back down here. Um, As superintendent, you want to always be involved in, you know, those things that are important in the district. And so I'm going to scoot up there a little bit Saturday morning and be there with them and, you know, just celebrate with them. Because that is an awesome thing that God has blessed two churches at the same time in our district to own their own property. That's not easy. In, in, in the northeast and in the west, that's where uh, the, the church owns 
less property or should I say least property than any other place throughout the United States. So when you go when you come northeast and you go uh, California West, um, there's not a lot of ownership of property because things are so expensive in these areas. So it's a really big deal um, when a church of the living God, an apostolic church, uh, owns their own property in the northeast and in the west. And so it's always great every place. Else, but you know what I mean when I'm saying that it's a big feat. Um, and so with as an organization, we celebrate that, that God is doing something in the hardest places. They said the hardest places to reach lost souls is in the northeast and in the west. California, New York, New Jersey, Boston, Connecticut, New Jersey, Philly, D.C. They, that's the hardest area to reach souls, they say. And also, you know, Hollywood, you know, Hollywood. And so um, our organization put a lot of effort and energy in to help the churches out in these areas because it's difficult because most pastors in this area have to be bivocational. Most pastors in these areas I just named, they have to be so they're working a full time job and pastoring because you don't want to take if you can help it take from the church a salary when we're trying to move God's kingdom forward and it takes finances. So. Um, that's what's going on in this area, and we will continue to do it until God says otherwise. Amen. Judges chapter two, verse number ten. Judges chapter two, verse number ten. We've been uh, talking about making disciples for the past ten weeks. Now it wasn't ten consistent weeks because there were times when I was not here, and others fill in and ministered on Wednesday night. But on this series of making disciples, I've been teaching it. For 10 weeks. Next Tuesday will be the final um, lesson on making disciples, and we will close out this series next Tuesday. You don't want to miss next Wednesday, so you don't want to miss that. So tonight I am going to um, read Judges chapter 2, verse number 10, um, and I'll read through verse 12. The scripture says, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. There's a lot of things that's going on here. It says that there was a generation that rose up that knew not God. Uh, you would believe that a, a, a nation that is God-fearing as Israel is, you would think that there was no way and no how would there ever be a generation that will come up that did not know the Lord. But that's what the scripture said. There was a generation that knew not the Lord. And what's interesting is what happened since they don't know the Lord. And the thing that we see that happens here, because they did not know the Lord, they did evil. When 
you don't know the Lord, you don't you don't have any limits. You don't you, you don't know what's what's righteous. You just do what is right in your own eyes. And so the Bible says they did evil and they and they serve uh, 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 Balaam, which is a false god. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. So the generation before that served the Lord, they didn't even bother, you know, inquiring or, or, or getting to know the God that their fathers served. And and they never really gave themselves to knowing that God and worshiping um, that God. And the Bible says, and that provoked the Lord God. For the next few moments, as we continue our discipleship series of making disciples, I want to share with you on this topic of making disciples. Make disciples secure the future. Make disciples secure the future. Jesus, we thank you for allowing us this opportunity to come together again. We thank you for the body of Christ, for the saints of the living God. We're here tonight, Lord God, not just to be hearers of your word, but Lord, we want our lives to be changed and to come in alignment with your purpose. And that, Lord, we can fulfill your purpose for our lives individually and collectively. I pray, Lord God, that the word of God will minister to us tonight and that we will receive it, Lord God, with gladness and with joy. And that, Lord, we will not just receive it, but we will begin to do what the word of God says to us. Help us tonight, Lord God, to really embrace what we have been instructed to do over the past 10 weeks of teaching about making disciples, that somebody will get a burden to say, I will make a disciple. I will do what the scriptures have directed me to do. I will obey my God, and I will make a disciple and secure the future. Lord, help us tonight. Move on us tonight. Allow the power of God to just reign supreme and allow the gifts of the Spirit to operate. Anoint me, Lord God, with a fresh anointing that I may speak as your oracle. Be led of your Spirit, Lord God, and touch the hearts of the hearers that they will hear what the Spirit is saying. We thank you and we praise you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. One of the most compelling motivations to make disciples is to secure the future. The daily demands of disciple making can be so great, so overwhelming, that we lose sight of the bigger picture which is to secure the future. From the moment I was elected superintendent of the North Central Jersey District, for whatever the reason, God just put into my spirit how important it is for us to begin to think about our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. He placed it in my spirit so strongly that wherever I go, whatever meetings that I'm a part of and I get a chance to speak, I always say to them, who is going to pastor your children? Who is going to pastor your grandchildren? Who is going to pastor your great-grandchildren? Because we can no longer afford to live for God like after we die, nothing else matters. 
We can't afford to live that way. We can't afford to live for God like this is the end all be all. And after we're out of here, who cares? We can't live our life for God that way because that's not the way Jesus did his life when he was here. Obviously, we want to see sinners saved and become fruitful saints of God who then turn around and make disciples. But there is a bigger issue at stake. The preservation of a generation or generations to come and the culture of God. We have to realize that what we are supposed to do will preserve generations and generations after us. When a species or when a species fail to reproduce itself, it will be lost in one generation. Countless animal and plant species have become extinct through the ages as well as many human cultures because of failure to reproduce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Many Religious organizations born in the red hot fire of revival with a move of God's spirit demonstrated by miracles, wonders, and signs have cooled and calmed themselves into a spiritual mediocrity. There's been organizations that the fire was hot. And they talked about revival. They talked about miracles, signs, and wonders. Just like when we heard about these moves of God on on school campuses. Those things are great. But the question is, do we continue it or do we just sit back until it cools? I've been living for the Lord just for a little bit now. And I've been living long enough to see many people... Walk away from this wonderful truth and the apostolic church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a subject we don't like to broach and talk about because we're afraid because in our mind, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to say anything about it. I'm just holding my head down. I'm just going to keep on walking. You don't have to be afraid about walking away from the apostolic church. From this wonderful truth. I have watched individuals, families, ministers, pastors, and entire congregations walked away from their formerly held apostolic belief. I've seen it. It hurts my heart. Let me say this. It is very important that we know what we believe. I'll say it again. It is very important that we know what we believe. Many have believed what they don't know. Oh, help my Holy Ghost. Hmm. Therefore, when they are challenged about what they believe, they are easily persuaded to believe something else because they didn't know 
what they believed. It's not a coincidence why people walk away from God. It's not a coincidence why churches decide we're not going to do that anymore. It's not a coincidence. The, the, the theme with that usually, probably with some other things, is that they did not know what they believed. They had believed what they did not know. And that's easy to do. Because a lot of times, one of the things that happens in a church service is when the presence of God moves, there could be emotions. When the presence of God is moving among us, there's all kind of things that's going on. You're feeling the power of God. You're, you're, you're getting emotional. And so it's easy to connect and to identify with the moving of the Spirit. But that's not enough because you might feel it and you may understand something is going on. But if you don't know what's really happening, then later on you can be talked out of what you just experienced. In many of these cases where people walked away from this wonderful truth, it's because they did not know what they believed. Simply put, they weren't discipled. There's many people that are living for God, saints of God, Christians, whatever you want to call yourself, that you have not been discipled. And so when the rubber meets the road, you can be talked out of what you believed. You see, when you know something, you can't be talked out of it. When you don't know something, you, just like how you believe what you don't know, you can be persuaded to believe something else. Because you're going around believing things you don't know. You're going around only believing things according to how you feel, not according to what you know. We got to know what we believe. And when somebody asks you what you believe, can you explain it clearly? Can you, can you explain it? Can you articulate it where someone understands what you're saying? Remember for a while I was on this kick, I said most churches you walk into, unfortunately, if you walk in and ask them, how can I be saved? You wouldn't get a clear-cut answer from most of them. Oh, you just need to believe. Oh, just keep coming. They'll give you all kind of answers, but they can't give you what the book says, what you need to do to be saved. We have to know what we believe and not just believe something because it sounds good or because somebody we trust told us. We got to know what we believe. In 2 Timothy 1 and 12, the scripture says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. For I know whom I have believed. That's what the Apostle Paul was writing. In, 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 in 1 Corinthians 2 and 1, same Apostle Paul. For I determined not to know Anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul made sure he knew what he needed to know. That's why Paul was so strong in his faith. What he needed to know, he knew that. Those apostles that was chosen back in those days, 
But they said an apostle had to walk with Jesus to be an apostle. That's what they said back then. Poor apostle Paul, he never walked with Jesus. So he felt less than all of the other apostles. But guess what? That didn't stop him from knowing whom he believed. And if Paul could know who he believed that he did not walk with, we could know who we believe that we have not walked with physically. Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you. I don't need to know all the stuff y'all talking about. All I need to know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all I need to know. I, I don't need to have all the scholars. I don't need to know all of the history. I don't need to know all of that. By the way, he was still sharp and knew all that. But he, is, he was just making a point. I don't need to know all of that stuff. All I need to know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. I believe a born-again Christian who is truly willing to be thoroughly discipled will very likely never depart from the faith because they will know who, why, and what they believe. That's what discipleship does. Discipleship will get you to know who, why, and what you believe. Mm -hmm. In the apostle, in, in, in the apostle John wrote in John chapter first John chapter two verse nineteen. The Apostle John wrote, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Now, this is very interesting. Watch this. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. You know how we like to say, everything is done in the dark, must come to the light? Well, that is so accurate that even people that show up in the church and never really believe, but they show up, they move around with you, they have the jargon, they say what they got to say. If they really don't believe, sooner or later, they're going to move from among us. God will do what he has to do, that they will move from among us, and then they will be exposed. They will be revealed that they were never really, truly part of the body of Christ. <laughs> this is very important to understand that. This is why... I try, I am, I get to the point where I don't even want to comment on little things that I'm like, in my mind, some of you comment on it, I don't do it. In my mind, I'm like, do you really believe this? That's all I say sometimes. I just walk, in, walk around and in my mind, I'm like, do you really believe this? Because some of our actions of some of the things that we're going back and forth with in our mind. We, we show it. We display it in our lifestyle. We don't even realize it. But some of the stuff that we go back and forth with, it comes down to you need to ask yourself, do you really believe this? Are you really a part of this? Because if you really believe this and you are a part of this, some things that we are struggling with, I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand. But... I'm at the place 
as living for God that I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't have anything to say. Because I know enough about the scripture to understand that if you really know this, oh, man, there are some things that what we claim to be struggles, they're not struggles. Let me just say this, just to be real about things, because I know sometimes y'all think I'm a machine, because I'm not a machine. There are some things that we end up doing wrong. We know wrong is wrong. Sin is sin. That we end up doing wrong. That we end up doing it because it's necessity of life that's absent. And it causes us to do things that are wrong. Y'all ain't going deep enough with me, huh? Some people end up doing some wrong things because the necessity of life that is supposed to be incorporated in their daily living is missing. No excuse. Ungodliness is ungodliness. Sin is sin. No excuse. But I guess what I'm saying is, to the Lord, probably that make more sense than some of the stuff that we're struggling with. That has nothing to do with daily living and absentees of what we need in our spirit and in our life to keep us going. If you need water, which we all need, and you don't drink it, you get dehydrated. However, I don't have to eat hamburger to live. You follow where I'm going now? So there are some things as people, when we're not getting it, it shows up somewhere in our life not good. And we have to address those things so we can get it right. But there are some things in our life that we're doing that, man, why are you doing that? It's not like you need water. It's like an hamburger that you can do without. That's what I'm trying to get at when we don't understand that that. If we say we know this and we believe this, we got to dig into this and live it with some conviction. Because if we don't, sooner or later, we're going to be exposed for our faith. Forget about sin, for our faith. Watch this. Who were they that went out from among us? Obviously, they initially manifest some brand of Christianity but somehow never became true disciples of Jesus Christ. Very significant. They worshiped with them, they fellowshiped with them, apparently served in some capacity with them, but they did not stay because they never received the spiritual DNA of the apostolic faith. Now, I know some of you are pretty sharp in your Bible, and so you might bring up this thought. Now, Judas was an example of one who was discipled, but still departed from the faith. And what I say about that, because, you know, God helped me to understand certain things. What I will say about Judas is this. Listen to me carefully. A disciple maker's responsibility is to teach and to be an example. 
You heard me? If you are a disciple maker, if you're making disciples in your life as Christ worked in you and through you and you're making disciples, you're, you're witnessing and you're ministering and you're helping people to get saved and then disciple them. If you are a disciple maker, your responsibility is to teach, to teach the, you know, the, the disciple and to be an example to that disciple that you're teaching. A disciple's responsibility is to learn, follow, and apply what he or she has learned. I don't know why we don't understand this in church. We understand it in college. We don't understand it in church. The teacher's responsibility is to teach properly. But the student's responsibility is to learn what's being taught. Both People have responsibility, but somehow we treat church like the teacher teach and I'll take it or leave it. Like we don't have the responsibility to learn. That's between you and Jesus. So you got to understand, God don't have me stand here or whoever he has standing here, stand here to just speak a bunch of nothing. Whatever we're speaking is what God wants us to hear. And so if we're speaking what God wants us to hear, the question we need to ask ourselves is, what am I doing with it? Taking it or leaving it? We're not a Trinitarian church where you can eat the meat and spit out the bone. Everything in this thing is meat. Everything is strong meat in this book that we bring across. Ain't no bone that you need to spit out in this kind of preaching. We're not giving you no half truth. We're giving you the whole truth. Both person must adhere to their responsibilities for a disciple prospect to become a disciple. So the teacher got to teach and model an example of what he or she is teaching. And the student responsibility is to learn, to follow, and apply what they're receiving. Responsibility. When we make disciples that are truly like us, imitators of us, we should expect that they will not leave the faith. Mm -hmm. But we have taken for granted that a lot of people that have left the faith were never really disciples. I think the statistic still shows that it's in the high 70s percentile that when someone is truly thoroughly discipled, 70-something percent of the time, they remain in the kingdom of God and they never leave. But nobody has time to be discipled. Nobody has time to give to the kingdom. How can we best remain faithful and true to truth that we do not depart from the faith? How is that possible? How can we do that? Well, I'm going to give you a few things to help us to remain faithful and true to truth. The first thing that we want to do to remain faithful and true to truth is this. We have to love truth. We have to love truth. Truth is a person before it's a fact. You got me, Ethan? You know, you know they like to talk about this... That's facts. Truth is a person 
before it was facts. We have to love truth, not just like it. We have to love truth. And many people don't love truth because when you go up against truth, when truth begins to bump up against how you feel, you kind of dismiss truth. You don't love truth. Do you leave your spouse when you and them argue? Do you leave your spouse? Do you walk out of the house and say, I'm out? Because y'all arguing. So why when truth begin to gnaw at you because you ain't doing what truth says, why when it starts doing that all of a sudden, we don't like truth? All of a sudden, we're not embracing truth. How do we know if we love truth? Okay, I'll help you. You will know you love truth when it excites you while hearing it preached and taught. When truth is being preached, man, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, Brother Kellerman. I don't know what happened of people coming to church and sitting on the edge of their seat. And as soon as the truth is being preached, they come up, because this is me. Preach it, preach it, preach it, preach it. Go ahead and preach it. Yes, sir, preach. Okay. I'm not telling you something I didn't do. That's what I did, because I love truth. I'm just trying to explain to you what we do when we love truth. When we hear it preach, oh, man, it gets us excited, even when it's kicking you in the butt. I told you, oh, you got, I put myself out there sometimes. I never forgot. I just got married. You know, me and my wife trying to juggle the financial thing, and I said, I got this, baby. Let me handle this. And I don't know how things went. We, got, we had so many bills and all this stuff, trying to, trying to handle it. And man, it seemed like for a, I got into a spurt of time where we just kept having bounce checks up on bounce checks. Like, what in the world is going on? And you want to hear something funny? It seemed like every sermon that I heard after I was bouncing check was about bounce checks. I have no clue how bounce checks had anything to do with the sermon. But somehow, bounce checks was coming in the sermon. Our pastor went to some place to preach. And you know, I'm always there with him. He preached up a storm. Bounce check pop up. I'm like, we we going to, this is not even home. How are you talking about bounce checks? But you think I was mad? I was beating the place, preaching on preacher, because I love truth. Whether I'm doing it or I'm not doing it, I am not biased to truth. Because I love truth, whether I'm obeying it or I'm not, I am going to still declare, preach the truth, because I love truth. Truth can cut me across here. I'm still saying preach it, because the only way I'm going to be free is by truth. The only way I'm going to be saved is by truth. So I'm not getting mad at truth because I'm not doing it at the moment. The question is, do we love truth? What do we do when we hear truth being preached? You will know you love truth when even when you're not obeying truth, you don't deny truth. You will know you love truth That when someone attacks the truth in your presence, it incites a holy, passionate response from you. Not arguing and bickering, but something to stir you up. 
because you're like, I know they're not talking about this. They're talking about my God. Paul said that some will not receive the love of the truth. Watch where I'm going. If this is the case, then he said they would become a candidate to receive a strong delusion from God and would become capable to believe a lie. What's the point? If we don't love truth, sooner or later, God can send us a strong delusion and we're going to believe a lie instead of believing truth. We put ourselves in jeopardy when we don't love truth because when you don't love truth, sooner or later, you're going to believe a lie. Sooner or later, we're going to believe a lie if we don't love truth. we got to love truth whether it's, it's working with us or not. Truth is truth. And when you hear truth, absorb it. If it hurts, it hurts, but absorb it and says, I got to get right. I have heard people said they received the revelation from God. And when I investigate what they said by searching the scriptures to see if it lines up with the principles of God, it doesn't line up with the word of God. So now you know. That can very well be one of those instances where that individual did not love the truth. So God sent them a strong delusion that they may believe a lie. This is why some people have walked away. Because they never loved the truth. And when they didn't love the truth, they just was going back and forth playing games. And sometimes what God will do, God have to get people up out of there because he don't want you tarnishing his people. So if God, God knows, only God knows, nobody else knows. Every once in a while he'll alert his, his servant. But most of the time he don't allow because he is the God that reconciles. And sometimes he don't want our mind be tainted in any way. But sometimes what will happen is God will know who is playing the game. And obviously he's trying to reach them and he's trying to reach them. But if they get to the place where they're trying to taint other people to to be like them, God will send them a strong delusion that they will believe a lie. And you know what they're going to do? Come to me and say, I got a revelation, Pastor. I said, what's that? And they're going to tell me something. And I'm going to say, well, that ain't in the Bible. And then they're going to say, well, this place ain't for me. And I smile and say, "Mm, God got them up out of here. He sent them a strong delusion. And so they believe a lie and they think that they got some revelation from God. And that's the thing about it. You don't know it's a lie because it came from God. Just like how a man or a woman will get a real revelation from God that's legit, God will allow you to get a revelation that's a lie because you don't love truth. The second thing I will say that if we're trying to stay on track and be faithful and not find ourselves departing from the faith. The second thing is the younger generation need to connect with the elders. An observation I have seen is that millennials tend to share their thoughts, ideas, and feelings primarily 
with their own generation, whether in their circle or on social media. They share their thoughts with their own generations. Whatever they feel, they blast it out on social media or they talk to their friends about how they feel, what their thoughts are, and their ideas. But they never go to an elder because they think that the elder is going to dampen or not agree or reject what they're saying. Just find the right elder, young people. I'm not telling you that you won't find some elders that everything you say, they're going to discourage you. That that is present. That's that's there. Just find an elder that you know they're going to be honest with me. Just find an elder that you know they're going to be transparent with me. And when I'm on track, they're going to tell me I'm on track. When I'm not on track, they're going to tell me I'm not on track. Just find that kind of elder. But the bottom line is a young person needs to make sure they have an a, 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 a elder in their life that they can share thoughts and ideas with. Everybody should have an elder in their life. Because elder don't have anything to do with certain age. You want to have somebody in your life that you know been around. They've learned some things. They've seen some things that you haven't seen, and you bounce things off of them. Uh Uh-huh. While it is normal and logical to synthesize life within your own demographic, it is critical you have the voice of an elder, not only for direction and wisdom, but for safety or veto privileges and opportunity for promotion. I tell young people this. Decisions for you to be promoted was made behind closed doors where you wasn't. That's how life works, Joe. When, when, when anybody get a promotion, it was a decision made before you knew. People saw you and decide that you are the man or the woman for the job. You are qualified and they think you'll do a great job. And some other people made that decision for you. You didn't make that decision. You can't promote yourself. So it's always somebody behind the scenes that's working on your behalf. And most of the times, it's going to be somebody that's been around longer than you. (laughs) It's important to understand Having an elder in your life that you can talk to and and bounce ideas off of, it's important because both need each other. Young, Young people, the elder needs you because you understand this world better than that elder. And so you can help them to understand this world, but they can give you some stuff to make you realize the, the pitfalls and to keep you from, from, from going astray and falling down. So we need each other. That helps us. Sometimes the elder young person won't give you a straight Bible, but they will have a good story to tell you. And when they give you that good story, it's going to make you change your mind about the crazy thoughts you had about what you wanted to do. Because the elders have seen so many people do the same thing you're thinking about. Unfortunately, we like to say, well, maybe that happened to them, but it ain't going to happen to me. Kelly, how many times I, I say this, I said, you know, because, you know, we ran the streets of Trenton. We, we, we always talk about, 
when somebody get popped hustling on the street, somebody, a couple of heads sit around and says, man, he was stupid. I don't know why he was driving that car. I don't know why he was messing with her. Got all these games. He was stupid. And then what happened, Callie? He get popped too. We always think we won't, it won't happen to us. Not me. We always do that. We always think what, what, what somebody else did that was wrong. Oh, that can't be me. And as soon as you say it, here he comes. Talk to an elder young person. Shoot something by them. Run it by them. Hear what they got to say. You want to be blessed in ministry? Honor your elders. Third, if you want to stay faithful and not depart from the faith, the preservation of apostolic integrity requires moral purity. Ooh, that's a challenge here. Your moral, or should I say, your morality will dictate your theology. I'm going to say it again. Your morality will dictate your theology. People start compromising the word of God a lot of times because of their moral situation. They start saying, well, you know, and you start going back and forth, well, you know. And usually we give the well, you know, because we know our situation. But love truth. Some of y'all might know Faithy Waithy. She, 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 she won't mind me saying this. Faithy Waithy could be doing her thing. But she'll tell you about truth. And she'll tell you, what I'm doing? No, no. I wasn't trained. I wasn't raised like this. This is not right. But I'm doing what I do. I gave her, I give her so much kudos when I see her. I said, Faithy, we're going to get you back on track. Because she never tried to water down the truth. She knows she's doing wrong. And she don't try to justify what she's doing wrong to say, well, you know, she's like, nah, this ain't right. And we, as Christians, should never allow what we are not doing morally to get in the way of truth, love truth. And so if you're not right morally, if we're not right morally, we, we cannot allow where we are morally to compromise truth. Say it like it is and try to do what you're supposed to do. The lack of maintaining apostolic truth and apostolic identity reveals the absence, the absence of authentic disciple making. Mm-hmm. A primary reason people usually depart from the faith is because of immorality and carnality. When we get carnal and we become immoral, we start feeling the pressure. We do the Adam instead of doing the reverse. Why? We got to learn from, you know, what we read in Scripture. Adam ran away from Christ instead of running to him. Adam, where art thou? When you sin, don't run away from the one that forgives sin. When you run away from God when you're doing wrong, it means you're going to remain in that wrong. But if you run to God when you're doing wrong, you will get out of that wrong sooner rather than later. 
Stop running away from God when you're doing wrong. Run to God when you do wrong. Let's make disciples that we do not lose another young person. That we do not lose another family. That we do not lose another minister or pastor or congregation because they were not thoroughly discipled. Therefore, they departed from the truth. Let's let's really become true disciples of Christ that we can begin to make disciples. In 2 Timothy 1 and 5, the scripture says, "When When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in, the, in, in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on of, the, of my hands. Listen. This is ideal for how disciple-making should work within the family. Grandmom, grandpa should be ministering to their children, and when their children get it together, they should be ministering to their children. Discipleship should start in the house. That's where it starts. Discipleship should start in the house. Jesus secured the future when he made 12 disciples before he ascended to heaven. Jesus knew he had to reproduce himself in those 12 men and pass unto them his spiritual DNA so that nothing would be lost when he went away. The scripture is clear that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles, prophets, with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. This means the foundational stones of the apostles were consistent with the original, which is Jesus. Not in preeminence, but in kind. We're supposed to be like Jesus. The disciples not only carried on the work of taking the gospel to the whole world, but they also continued the method of doing so by making disciples. They didn't design some new revolutionary way to reach the lost people. No, they continued to go and make disciples, for this was the pattern that Jesus left for us. And so I close up here. One of the saddest verse of scriptures that we read in the Bible was what we read in the opening text. In Judges 2 and 10, I'll read it again. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Watch this. I'm finishing up here. Moses brought the children of Israel through the wilderness. Joshua brought them into the promised land. 
Could it be that Joshua made no disciple and that's what caused the generation to raise up who knew not the Lord? We talked about, I know I talked about how Moses allowed the people to frustrate him. And we talked about how Moses was counseling from sun up to sundown till his father-in-law Jethro had to say, dude, you can't do it like that. Appoint some over hundreds, fifties, and tens, and, you know, help, let them help you. You can't do all this all by yourself. So we have given Moses a hard time for doing all that stuff till he got worn out and frustrated. And the Lord said, you know what, let me take you because I'm telling you to speak to the rock and you smite the rock. You, you're tired. You're getting frustrated. So let's come on home. And he took Moses. And so we say, yeah, Joshua, the young guy, he was something else. And Joshua lead them into the promised land. Joshua was the one that took them around the walls of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. That was all Joshua. So we say, Joshua, you the man. But the scripture we just read about the generation that rose up and knew not the Lord was more influenced by Joshua than Moses. So the question we have to ask is, Joshua, as great as we thought you were, as awesome as we know you led the people into the promised land, were you making disciples? Because why would people not know God after you pass on? What, what happened? Is it that Joshua may not have made any disciples? He was leading them to the promised land, but he wasn't making any disciples. And so when he died, everything that he did died with him. Could that be? Uh-huh. This is why we must make disciples during our lifetime. We are one generation away from securing our future generations. We take for granted that church is what we do. It's who we are. And we just think this will just continue to be perpetual. But my goodness, if we don't be intentional on making disciples, reproducing ourselves as godly men and godly women, hey, it won't take too long for your family or my family to not know Jesus and running around the streets like nobody ever knew Jesus that was in their family line. We are one generation away from securing our future generations. Who is your disciple you are investing in that you can make sure that when you are gone, your apostolic DNA will remain in this earth? Who is your disciple? Who are you investing in that you can say, I'm discipling that person, and if I leave here today, they will have something to carry on that I deposited in them. Leaders, who are you training to succeed you? Dad, mom, do not let your faith and values be lost and not be instilled in your children's life. If your children strayed from the faith, then go make disciples of sinners and adopt them as your spiritual children. No excuses. Make disciples secure the future. In his popular novel, 1984, George 
Orwell wrote, who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. George Orwell. God has given us one life. And it's up to us if we're going to do what he told us to do. He's already modeled it. Let's stand. He's already modeled it himself. He was only here for 33 years. And he made disciples before he left out of here. He knew he wasn't going to be here forever. And we know through scripture, it's appointed unto man to die once. So we won't be here forever. Most of us is probably going to have more time on this earth than what the master has. Can we point to a disciple yet? I've been teaching this for 10 weeks. Who is going to make a disciple? Who is going to make a disciple? Who is going to invest in somebody? Take your time and just work with them. Don't let the busyness of, of just what goes on around you make you feel like you're losing out on something. Because sometimes to slow it down and do what God wants you to do, you think, oh man, what, if, what about this and what about that? Believe me when I tell you, between you and the Lord and making the disciple, you will get a whole lot of what you need in that process. You don't have to be busy. You don't have to be doing everything in the church. You don't have to be going here and going there. Just let God lead you to one person that you're going to love unconditionally, that you're going to disciple, that you're going to care for, that you're going to invest in, and you're going to pray for, and you're going to have them follow you, and you just keep on working with that person until they get saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled. They become a fruitful child of God in the church and then they continue to follow you until they repeat what you did for them. That's what God is expecting of every one of us. There's not one of us that is not capable of doing that. God wouldn't make you capable of having children in the natural, but you can't make children in the spiritual. So we're going to have a hard time getting past that. We got a question before I close up here. Uh-huh. There's a scripture that says, I think it's back in the Old Testament, that says, when you don't do what you're supposed to do, the blood is on your hands. But when you do what you're supposed to do, ain't no blood on your hands. Make a disciple, secure the future. It's what God called us to do. I don't want you to feel weighted down or pressured. I just want you to live that life. It's a, it's a, it's a pendulum shift that's taking place that you need to follow in order to do it. I know we have our traditional ways of how we like to live for God, but we can't just live that traditional way. I was listening to something today, and the thought was brought out that if you go back to Genesis chapter 6, probably around verse 8, and the scripture says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
because he was, it was counted unto him for righteousness. Go and look of what was going on in the world at that time. Everybody was off the hook. Everybody was doing crazy things. And Noah was probably one of the lone or few that was doing right. And the point that was made is when you keep doing what the majority is doing, your future ain't too bright. We want to do what the majority is doing. Your future is not bright when you're doing what the majority is doing. When you're doing what the minority is doing, you're probably in a better place than when you're doing what the majority is doing. So trying to fit in and, and be recognized with everybody else, that's not what you should be looking for. Trying to be who Jesus wants you to be is what you're supposed to be striving for. Making disciple is not the popular way of Christianity today. Because we're just all about ourselves. But I know and you know, the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. That's a whole lot of loving and just living for God to make sure I get to heaven. I'm not loving my neighbor like myself. If all I'm trying to do is get to heaven, I am not loving my neighbor as myself. Because I want to go to heaven. The same kind of energy, that's one of the new words, right, Ethan? The same kind of energy that I put into loving myself to get to heaven, I should be putting the same kind of energy into making a disciple. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. So if you plan to go to heaven and you're doing all this stuff to get to heaven, you're supposed to be helping somebody else just the same way. You're helping yourself. We got to make disciples. God didn't call us to just come to church, clap our hands, and just have a good time. He called us to make disciples. We got to knock down that wall at some point. And I, don't want, it, I want it to be sooner rather than later. I want to knock down this wall and begin to expand out. Because that's what God called us to do. And I just want to know I'm doing the will of God. You need to know you're doing the will of God. And we should not have the same amount of people in the church. We're not counting people because that's not what we're doing. What we're saying is, are we making disciples? And if we are, if it's the same amount of people that came in here March 12th, that's going to be here next year, March 12th, then we're not doing what God called us to do. I don't know about everybody else out there doing church. I'm just telling you what the book is teaching us. And that's all I'm trying to communicate to you is what this word is saying. Not what everybody else is doing. doesn't matter to me what everybody else is doing. It matters what this book says we are supposed to do and are we doing it. Bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I don't want the word of God that we've been hearing for 10 weeks to not affect us, to not impact us. Lord, I want to make another disciple. I want to invest in another life, Lord God, and lead them to salvation and help them to become a fruitful saint, a fruitful saint of the Most High God, that they will in turn turn around and make disciples, that what was done for them, they will do as well for somebody else. Father, let the word take root in our heart. Let this word grow and produce good fruit. That, Lord God, you will be pleased because we're obeying. 
because we're doing what you call us to do, Lord God. Help us to slow down, Lord God. Slow down, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to be attentive and look around and see what's happening around us. Show us, Lord God, who we can go up to and befriend and love. Show us who we can bring alongside of us, Lord God, and disciple them and teach them the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord God. Help us to make sons and daughters of the gospel, Lord God, because we understand the mission of Jesus Christ, which is, Lord God, to go and make the disciples, which is to go, Almighty God, and do the work that you call us to do. I pray, Almighty God, that all that was spoken here tonight, Lord God, will continue to just flow in our spirit, in our heart, Lord God, and that we will begin to do it, Lord God. Will you impart your wisdom to us? We have received the knowledge. Give us understanding and then give us the wisdom, Lord, to apply the knowledge that you have imparted to us. Lord, it is your will that we make disciples. It is your will, Lord God, that we go forward and do it, Lord. Help us tonight to not proclaim Help us tonight to not be stagnated, but Lord, that we will go forward with energy. We will go forward in the power of the Holy Ghost. We will go forward with the authority of the Word of God and speak and love and teach and model an exemplary life of a disciple of Christ. Ah, somebody hear me. You don't have to be perfect. Your life don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know everything about God. You don't have to know all of the Word of God to go forward and make disciples. God says if you will trust Him, if you will lead not to your own understanding, if you will open up your mouth and speak as He leads you and put thoughts in your mind, if you will go and do what the Spirit leads you to do, God says I will use you as my conduit. I will use you as my example. I will use you to go and make uh, not just one disciple, but many disciples. Uh, If you will just not lean uh, to your own understanding, uh, if you will submit to my will uh, and do what I will ask of you, uh, you will be a disciple maker. You will see many souls in the kingdom because you obeyed my word. Jesus, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. Oh, we bless your name for you are so good. Oh God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. For all these things we pray and ask. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Don't forget, continue to pray for our building dedication service for Saturday and pray for God to send souls, that souls will be saved. We have many people that's coming in that that are not Christians. We want God to reach them with the power of his spirit and his word. So continue to pray. Two o'clock. Come in here Saturday and let's pray up a storm and be ready for what God is going to do. Don't forget to give to the building fund. Don't slack up on your giving. The, 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 what we have to do is great and it takes finances. So give, continue to give as the Lord has blessed you. Have a great rest of your night in Jesus' name.